Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money, but are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Community media at CUNY's Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism As protests against police violence and racial injustice have swept the country and the COVID-19 pandemic has disproportionately claimed black lives, it has been Black-owned media that is covering these events earlier, in greater detail, and with more Black voices than their mainstream counterparts. The report found that Black media publishes up to six times more content about topics and issues of importance to Black communities, giving topics like racism, health disparities, and voting access both higher levels of focus as well as earlier inclusion in the news cycle centering the community in their coverage, humanizing groups and individuals, and giving priority and platform to who and what matters most. Black media is leading the way. Helping to create this critical impact on a mission to act as a catalyst for meaningful change, former editor-in-chief of Vox, managing editor at The Trace, managing editor at The Atlantic, and America editor at The Washington Post have joined forces to prioritize local community engagement and national enterprise journalism for black audiences across the U.S launching Capital B in early 2022 as the first of its kind local and national nonprofit news organization for Black Americans. This top-tier group of founders has successfully attracted journalism and media business talent from The Atlantic, The Washington Post, The Wall Street Journal, MailChimp, Texas Monthly, CNN, and Amazon, just to name a few. While tirelessly beating back against the mistruths targeted at Black people, Capital B is setting a new bar providing trustworthy and high-quality journalism that also fosters civic engagement. Here with us to discuss the importance of Black media and journalism, share more about their newly launched groundbreaking local and national news organization, and to give us the full breakdown about their bold visions for news that centers Black voices and experiences, we have co-founders of Capital B, Lauren Williams and Okoto Oforiata. This is the Black Information Network Daily Podcast, and I'm your host, Ramses Ja. So welcome to the show, you two. How are you doing? Great. Thanks for having us. Well, thank you Absolutely. so much for having us. Sure, sure. The pleasure. We are delighted well. to be here. Wonderful, wonderful. So um, around here, we like to start at the beginning, and the beginning is whatever you define that to be. So share a little bit about yourselves, uh, your upbringings, of course, and 
maybe discuss where your passions for journalism come from. So uh, let's start with you, Lauren. Yeah, so I um, I was actually an army brat. Mm-hmm. Um, so my parents were from Washington, D.C., but I grew up kind of all over the place. I lived in Germany. I, th- I kind of think my formative years were in, in Germany. I lived there from age um, four to almost eight. I spoke fluent German. I used to translate for my parents when we, you know, went out because I went to German preschool. And, you know, I think I had, you know, a very, it was a much very interesting experience for me um, as a young Black kid, uh, having that international experience. Um, when we got back to the States, we settled back into the DC area, um, the suburbs in Virginia. And that's where I ended up spending the, the, the rest of my kind of older childhood and, and teenage years. And, uh, that's where I kind of consider to be my home. Mm-hmm. Um, I come from a bit of a writing family. My sister, is a novelist, um, and she was a journalist when um, she's my older sister. And uh, when I was uh, in college, she was a magazine journalist, and I was just really inspired by her. And I liked to write, and um, I wanted to get my MFA and uh, pursue a creative writing career. And my parents were really practical black parents, <laughs> and at the time, they were like that's not real. So you have to figure out a, a job that's, that's real that you can, that you can use to write. Um, and so they were like, figure out, you know, a nine to five job that you can, that you can um, uh, apply those writing skills to, because I don't really understand what MFA is. Um, so I, uh, so journalism school is, is, is how I kind of translated that. Um and because I didn't want to do exactly what my sister was doing, I chose not to go the magazine route. I went the newspaper route. Um, and it wasn't the most kind of inspiring way to get into newspaper journalism. I wish I could say that, you know, I read a story about Ida B. Wells and, <laughs> you know, yeah. got radicalized about the power of investigative journalism. It really started with me liking words and wanting to find a way to use that passion for words. Um, And then it was through going to journalism school and learning about, you know, how the power of those words and what those words could do that I really became passionate about journalism and the power of journalism and understanding what um, journalism really can do. And honestly, it was over the course of my career after that, that I really began to understand not just the power of journalism, but the distinct need for um, us in the space, for our words, for our perspectives, because of how... um, lost some parts of our industry were and how um, exclusionary some parts of our industry were and how many mistakes our industry had not corrected um, from the past. And, um, and, uh, and, you know, through that career of 
frankly, decades, well, a 20 year career mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, led me to uh, me and Akoto to making this choice to, to launch Capital B. Okay. Akoto. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I um, was raised in New Jersey. I always want to say born and raised, but um, I was actually born in Connecticut and I was only there for four months. So it robbed me of the opportunity to say born and raised in New Jersey, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> New Jersey is my home state. Uh, my parents are uh, from Ghana, West Africa, and they came, uh, they came here to, go to college in the 80s, had me and my brother grew up in Jersey. Um, and I had known that I wanted to pursue a career in journalism since I was 10 years old. Um, I had won some like writing contests in my county in New Jersey. Um, and much like Lauren, uh, you know, having uh, loving writing and trying to find a, a profession that would allow me to do that and get paid for it was, um, you know, really what drove me to the field. I remember I remember realizing that I had been good at it and asking my parents on the ride home from one of those contests, like, oh, what, like, what can I do with this? And my, you know, my dad was like, well, you could be a journalist. And I was like, that settles it. So um, I went to Hampton University and got a degree in print journalism, um, you know, took a quick detour, did some corporate communication stuff and found my way back to journalism in 2010 um, at The Root where Lauren and I met. And where we found we had similar interests, tastes, and ideas for um, all that Black press um, could do and be. Um, but yeah, me too. Like my passion for the work started with like a love for writing, but really um, grows and grows every single year I'm in the business, seeing how journalism and really just good quality news and information can um be powerful, can, can right wrongs, can correct injustices, um, and can help people, uh, particularly Black people, lead more informed lives. And so uh, I'm grateful that uh, to be in this business, I'm grateful to have launched Capital B, which allows me to do this on behalf of Black people, mm -hmm. with Black people every day. And so, yeah, consider myself lucky. So, so let's talk about uh, Capital B. Um, I'm, I'm sure the folks want to know more. So uh, let's cover it all from where the name comes from to, you know, your goals uh, and, you know, everything that's gone into setting it up and everything. So um, I guess we'll go back to you, Lauren. Give us Yeah, we'll start with we'll end with where the name comes from, because I think um, it's easier to explain the name sure, once sure. we explain <laughs> how it all came up. So, um, it, you know. Akoto and I have known each other for, we met in 2010. So um, we've known each other for a really long time. Uh, it, Cap, the idea for Capital B came about in um, June of 2020. At the time, I was the editor-in-chief of Vox, which is a national explanatory news network. Uh, Akoto was the managing editor of The Trace, which was a nonprofit um, single-issue news site about gun, um, gun violence in America. We were both, so we were both in leadership positions in newsrooms that did not specifically cover Black people or Black issues. And, you know, we all know what was happening at the time. It was the middle of the George Floyd protests. Um, in every industry, and the media is included, there were racial reckonings happening where, you know, the industries were um, questioning 
you know, the racial practices within that industry sure. over the course of, of time. And um, Black employees were, um, you know, rising up and talking about how they had been mistreated. And um, the difference in the journalism industry is that, you know, not only is it an issue of internal um, issues, like employee issues, those issues reflect out in coverage. They reflect out in uh, audience. They reflect out in the actual historical record of what gets becomes understood about history. Mm-hmm. And that is just so incredibly powerful and impactful and important. And um, we came together one day and just really wondered if we were doing the most that we could be doing mm. in our current positions I like that. to, to um, tell the stories that needed to be told and to tell them to the people who deserve that information the most. Yeah. Um, there are lots of news sources that at the time were very, um, animated by maybe, you know, decades of neglect of telling black stories. So putting tons of resources into doing like very high quality journalism about racism and, but who was reading it? Who are they doing it for? What audience were they, were were they trying to reach? Um, Not black audiences. And so, and so we decided at that moment that we wanted to create a, Black news organization that was going to do really high quality reporting by and for Black people about the big issues that matter most for Black people. And we wanted to do it on a national level and a local level, because even as, you know, we were thinking about these big national issues, something else that's happening in the media, both the mainstream media, ethnic media, everywhere, is that there's an, an, an a devastating business failure right. in in the media right now. Newspapers are dying. They're they're closing. They're cutting staff because the business model is dead. And well, you know that that actually uh, brings me to the next. Uh, part of the question, because I, I, I do recognize, you know, working in media myself, that the media landscape is changing. So, um, Okoto, uh, what all would you say went into developing and, and establishing the infrastructure for um, Capital B? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, um, you know, first, what Lauren and I cared about was building a strong and very strong and very distinctive journalism that would yeah, deliver yeah. important perspectives of black people. Uh, and to do that, we needed a business model that would be able to sustain that work over time. Um, and that meant that we couldn't rely on traditional business models to do this work. Um, mm-hmm. And as Lauren was saying, advertising, um, the main way that newspapers and news organizations were getting revenue has been completely decimated by internet, social media more broadly. Um, and so we knew that the kind of work that we wanted to do, particularly on the local level where, um, you know, local journalists and local newspapers have 
been disappearing for the past 15 years, which means that, you know, people aren't um, having their city council meetings covered, their courts, their police departments. And that is really, really important work um, and not necessarily work that is, uh, you know, going to be attractive to advertisers. And so, um, you know, we thought and we realized that because Capital B is so mission driven that we would be a nonprofit newsroom so that we could seek support from organizations and everyday people who really believe in the value of news and in our in our mission to make sure that um, black people have good access to it. Mm. So, um, Lauren, you were you were mentioning this a little earlier, um, you know, that there was a lack of uh, representation in in the media you, you mentioned vox and and some of the other places where you worked um can you give us like an example because you know a lot of folks don't work in in media certainly not in the spaces that you've been in um can you give us like an example to help that come to life for us like where where have you seen gaps in uh traditional media where our voices or our stories are being underrepresented well, I mean, across media, there is a just general lack of diversity. Sure, I mean, sure. it is it is an overwhelmingly white field. Um, reporters are overwhelmingly white. Editors are overwhelmingly white. I think it's gotten, I think there's a real push in the last two years um, as a result of 2020 and the the racial reckonings in newsrooms. Lots of black, uh, not lots, but um, more black women uh, became leaders in in mainstream newsrooms. But um, but there are very few black people writing for these for these news outlets. And um, it's not to say that. And I actually think that white reporters should be able to be competent enough to write about all the people that they cover. Mm-hmm. But having perspectives in the newsroom that are representative of the whole of the audience that you're purporting to want to serve is incredibly important. And not having that is one of the reasons why some of the coverage has holes. Some of the coverage is missing uh, some of the important perspectives. Some of the, um, some of the biggest stories get, get lost and, and missed. Yeah. Um, that is absolutely true. I'd also add that, um, you know, our profession has been for a long time obsessed with the idea of objectivity and that you had to um, tell both sides of a story or a perspective um, and give them, you know, equal weight and equal distance, um, even if one side was is built on lies or is otherwise harmful. Um, I think another challenge with mainstream media for a long time has, and it's getting better in this regard, but um, it's inability to just call something um, racist when it was, right? Like we've seen the terms um, racially motivated, racially charged. um, And there's just a, there was just a longstanding general hesitancy to confront that part of our history head on um, quite frankly, because it made white leadership uncomfortable. Uncomfortable, And so Um, I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, we exist to, you know, be an anecdote to all of that. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger, talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com B-I-N today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot B-I-N. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash news. That's LifeLock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values, premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary in your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. We are here today with co-founders Lauren Williams and Okoto Aforiata discussing their newly launched groundbreaking local and national news organization, Capital B, their thoughts about black media and journalism, and their bold visions for news that centers black voices and experiences. So we've whet the appetites of the listeners, um, and we will circle back to this again. But while we're here, let's let folks know how they can tap in with uh, Capital B, all the ways that they can tap in to the work that you're doing. 
Um, yeah, you can go to our website, capitalbnews.org. Um, you can go to our Atlanta newsroom. We do have a local newsroom in Atlanta um, at atlanta.capitalbnews.org. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Capital B News and on facebook.com slash Capital B News. Uh, absolutely. So, and yeah. on our website, sorry, and on our website, you can sign up for <laughs> sign up for our newsletter, and uh, you can become a member of our work uh, by joining us and giving uh, supporting our work with a donation. Wonderful, wonderful. I'm going to ask you that again because I know people Great. are going to want to know that. Certainly, the people that tune into this show. Great. Um, so, I I, I want to ask because um, you know there are a lot of people who are interested in in, in taking back the narrative chronicling the narrative accurately, um, chronicling their own Black stories accurately. And um, you may very well be the inspiration that um, one of our listeners may need, or perhaps even more. Um, But I don't imagine that doing something like this is easy. So what sort of challenges were on the horizon for you, um, breaking away from traditional media and kind of launching your own endeavor to empower black voices and black stories. Oh, so many challenges. I mean, <laughs> money, that's, that's what we're here money, yeah. money, right. money. Here's okay. the thing, you know, we have a big ambitious idea and we had to find the funding for it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's all this talk about the great resignation over the past couple of years. I don't know what people, other people have going on, but Okoto and I, we were like, we are not quitting our jobs until we, we know that we have some uh, job security and sure, some sure. money. So, you know, we had to make sure that, you know, we wrote a concept paper and, you know, shopped it around and, and we, you know, we secured some seed funding before we were able to really like trust that we could quit our very good jobs and, you know, still support our families and um, leave so that we could start raising money for capital B. Um, And it was still terrifying because, you know, that money would eventually run out if we didn't raise more money. Um, And then we'd be kind of stuck. Um, And you have to have your, you have to have your stuff together. You have to have your business plan straight. You have to not just know how you're going to you know, launch, you have to know how you're going to support your first five years of, of business. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, as we were saying, the news business is a tough one from a sustainability standpoint. Um, and so you have to be really creative about how you're going to, to last. And so that is, I think, was the toughest thing in starting. I think it's the toughest thing every day is making sure that this idea is going to be one that we can keep going for forever. Um, Oh, please, please go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree with that. And I would also say, you know, again, this was a really ambitious idea with a really, really important mission and finding people. And obviously there was no way that Lauren and I could do it on our own. And so finding people who um, believed in that mission and who we could, you know, say with lots of confidence that, you know, 
join us and join us on our team and like leave your, you know, fancy job at the Washington Post or the Atlantic. <laughs> uh, join us on this endeavor to make news and information better for Black people. And um, we, you know, we're going to work hard to make sure that uh, this place is sustainable around for the long haul and that you have job security. This concludes part one of our two-part interview with the co-founders of Capital B, Lauren Williams and Okoto Oforiata. Check back in with us tomorrow as we conclude our conversation about their newly launched and groundbreaking local and national news organization, their thoughts about Black media and journalism, and their bold visions for news that centers Black voices and experiences. This is the Black Information Network Daily Podcast, and I'm your host, Ramses Ja. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you. And how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.